The children were restless. They couldn't sleep well when they were hungry, but there was nothing their parents could do. The harvest had been poor, the winter was setting in, and there was nothing to eat. Times were tough in 10th century Prague. The husband and wife shivered in bed, hoping sleep would give them respite from wondering how they'd put food on the table. They could always resort to begging, but the shame that would bring on the family was almost as bad as starvation. When a visitor called in the middle of the night, the young couple found a barefoot man shivering in the cold. They almost turned him away. They had little enough for themselves, let alone anything to offer to a beggar. But to the couple's surprise, the stranger marched into their house and opened his purse. It was filled with gold coins, the sort of wealth only the nobility could ever dream of. To their amazement, the stranger handed the purse over to them. That was when the pair finally realized who the stranger was. Their ruler had taken a vow of poverty, swearing to deny himself creature comforts until all of his subjects had enough to eat and keep their homes warm. Their visitor was Duke Václav I, better known today as Good King Wenceslas. The couple thanked Václav, but he waved away their gratitude. Instead, he reminded them to devote themselves to God. Then, with hardly another word, he stepped out of their house again. He'd come and gone so quickly and with so little fanfare, even gossiping neighbors would never learn of his generosity. Václav limped back to his castle. He'd cut his foot on his trek, all too common since he'd sworn off shoes. He wanted to prove his commitment to his faith, even to die for it. And one day he would. But that night, he settled for leaving behind a trail of bloody footprints. One death can change the world. At least that's what assassins believe. Welcome to Assassinations, a ParCast original. Every Monday, we examine the famous assassins of history and the men and women who were assassinated. I'm your host, Bill Thomas. And I'm your host, Kate Leonard. This is our only episode on Duke Václav I, better known today as Good King Wenceslas. This week, we'll explore how Václav ruled Bohemia from roughly 927 to 935 CE, caring for the poor and striving to bring Christianity to the pagan territory. He was murdered by his brother, Boleslav, who inherited the dukedom after him. We'll also talk about Václav's legacy, both as a Christian saint and as a figure who allowed secular historians to unlock secrets about European history. Finally, we'll explore how the world might be different if Václav had never been assassinated. At ParCast, we're grateful to you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to ParCast.com merch for more information. Ever since her wedding to Vratislav, Drahomira had been miserable. Her arranged marriage to the second son of a minor duke required her to leave behind her homeland of Havilland in eastern Germany, abandon her family, and even swear away her religious beliefs, 
a form of paganism with an elaborate pantheon of demons and spirits. The marriage cemented an alliance, but doomed Drahomira to a lonely life and death in obscurity. For centuries, the Bohemian people living between modern-day Austria, Bavaria, and Moravia have been a collection of independent tribes. But Drahomira's husband's family, the Primislids, united the people into a duchy. Threatened by the nascent Holy Roman Empire, the Primislids strengthened their power with an arranged marriage, bringing Drahomira's people into their realm. But to marry, Drahomira had to convert, and her new Christian family didn't trust her devotion to the faith. They'd taken her son, Václav, away to be raised by his pious Christian grandmother. Drahomira longed for the chance to see her son again. Everything changed one day in 915 CE. Nine years into their marriage, Drahomira's husband, Vratislav, learned that his brother had died suddenly without leaving behind an heir. That left only Vratislav to rule as the new Duke of Bohemia. As Drahomira and her husband arrived at the palace in the capital city of Prague, she could sense her fate changing. Her oldest son, Václav, now stood to inherit a noble title, and her other children could live in wealth and luxury. Perhaps the newly minted Duchess could make a name for herself after all. The world of early 10th century is deeply mysterious to modern historians. The burgeoning Holy Roman Empire was just beginning to form. Outside the empire, independent nation-states thrived and faltered with very little written record to preserve their stories. It was in this world that Duke Václav I and his assassin, Boleslav the Cruel, lived their lives. Little is known of the brothers, and what we do know is muddled in accounts of miracles and legends. But the tale of Václav's death at his brother's hands persists to this day. It is through the tragic story of fraternal betrayal that we know what we do of this brief period of an independent Bohemia, the nation that became today's Czech Republic. Little is known about the political systems of territories like Bohemia. Most likely, Václav's family ruled only over Prague and the immediate countryside. Records suggest they also exerted some kind of unofficial political influence over the surrounding area, although it's unclear what form that influence took. Václav and Boleslav's grandparents, Borovoy and Ludmila, had united Bohemia's loose confederation of independent tribes in the immediate area of Prague under the Primislid dynasty. They'd also converted to Christianity long before Boleslav's birth. In the first millennia CE, Christianity still hadn't penetrated very far into Bohemia. The majority of the people practiced paganism. They believed in numerous good and evil spirits who represented nature and ordinary elements of day-to-day -day life. But the second Primislid Duke, Vratislav, was a devout Christian. And when Vratislav was ready to marry, he required his Eastern German wife, Drahomira, to convert to Christianity. Her compliance was necessary to unite the people of Prague with Drahomira's tribe. Although Drahomira agreed to these terms and was baptized before her first child's birth in 907 CE, the rest of the family was suspicious. In particular, Boleslav's grandmother, Ludmila, believed that Drahomira hadn't fully eschewed her old pagan beliefs. 
The firstborn Václav was sent away at birth to be raised by his grandmother, the Christian Ludmila. Ludmila worked to instill Václav with her religious beliefs. Far from the influences of the Bohemian court, Václav learned the local arts of growing wheat and grapes at his grandmother's castle in Tetin. According to legend, he personally made the bread and wine that were used in the communion sacrament at the local church. Václav enjoyed going on long rides around Tetin and developed a great skill with horses. His equestrian skill was only overshadowed by his piety and religious devotion. With Ludmila's encouragement, Václav planned to become a monk and give up his place in succession to the dukedom. It's unclear whether his parents would have permitted him to make such a commitment as an adult, but fate intervened before Václav had the chance to take his vows. It's unknown when Václav's brother Boleslav was born, but most historians place his birth somewhere between 915 and 920 CE. He was the second son and sixth child of Vratislav and Drahomira. We don't know the exact reason that Boleslav remained in Prague with his mother instead of joining his brother and grandmother in Tatin. If he was born closer to 920 CE, it may be that he was too young to leave his mother after his father died. At most, Boleslav was five years old at the time of Vratislav's death around 920. As the firstborn son, the 13-year-old Václav was supposed to inherit the duchy. But because Václav was still too young to rule alone, Drahomira served as regent in his stead. Drahomira ordered her son Václav to leave Tetin and return to Prague. There, for the first time in his life, Václav got to know Drahomira and Boleslav. It's unclear if he'd even met his brother previously. As Ludmila and Václav had long suspected, Drahomira had never abandoned her original beliefs. As regent, she instituted paganism as the state religion of Bohemia. Upon Václav's return to Prague, Drahomira ordered him to convert. Václav promised to abandon his Christian beliefs and instead adopt his mother's practices. But secretly, Václav retained his Christianity. He also grew to know that his brother, Boleslav, was committed to his mother's pagan cause. Early in her rule, Drahomira began to persecute Christians. In her efforts to reinstitute paganism as the state religion, she arrested or executed many priests and other practitioners. A year into her rule, Drahomira felt increasingly threatened by her mother-in-law Ludmila's influence. It's unclear what Ludmila did to merit Drahomira's suspicions. She may have been plotting against the Duchess, but the fact that she openly continued to practice Christianity may have been enough. In 921, Drahomira sent a pair of assassins named Tuna and Gomon to eliminate Ludmila. The assassins were Vikings, possibly with ties to the same northern territories that Drahomira came from. They were most likely pagans, and they were certainly loyal to their duchess. Tuna and Gomon entered the castle at Tatine, searching for their target. She wasn't in her bedroom, but a quick search returned fine gowns and other comforts only available to the rich. One assassin took Ludmila's wedding veil from her chambers. 61-year-old Ludmila was in the chapel, unaware of the threat. As usual, she attended a private mass. 
At times, she felt like she was the last devout Catholic in Bohemia, but even that wouldn't discourage her from worshiping regularly. After the priest gave Ludmila communion, she knelt to reflect and pray. Because these contemplative sessions were often lengthy, the priest left Ludmila alone. She'd leave the chapel once she was finished with worship. She was still kneeling in silent prayer when Tuna and Gomon found her. They crept up behind, delighted to catch her by surprise. One assassin wrapped Ludmila's bridal veil around her neck and pulled, strangling her. She scrambled for breath, clawing at the deadly garment while it tightened. No matter how hard she struggled, Ludmila couldn't break free of the suffocating veil. After a brief frantic fight, she went limp. Their mission complete, the assassins left Ludmila's body in the chapel to be discovered later. Soon, news would reach the family at Prague. While Boleslav celebrated Ludmila's death, Václav was devastated. A quiet fury ignited in him against Drahomira. Soon, Václav would seek revenge on his mother and brother. Up next, Václav avenges Ludmila and makes an enemy of Boleslav. Now, back to the story. In 921 CE, the Duchess and Regent of Bohemia, Drahomira, cemented her pagan rule by imprisoning or executing Christians, including her mother-in-law, Ludmila. She didn't realize that Ludmila's death had driven an unsurmountable wedge between herself and her son, Václav. Soon after her death, Ludmila was officially recognized as a martyr and canonized as a saint in the Catholic Church. But the posthumous honors were of little comfort to Václav. Ludmila had raised him. She was more of a mother to Václav than her murderer, Drahomira. His grandmother's death ensured that Václav would always consider Drahomira an enemy. At this point, we should note that we don't know whether Václav was considered an adult in his society at age 14. While he was deemed too young to rule at 13, he probably would have been considered an adult around 15 or 16, especially since he'd been groomed to rule since birth. Around either 924 or 925 CE, when Václav was between the ages of 16 and 18, he led his troops in a revolt against his mother. Little is known about the armed conflict between Václav and Drahomira, except that it was short-lived. The rival armies fought only a single battle, but it was definitive enough to win the war. Václav was victorious, and Drahomira fled Bohemia. The path to the dukedom was clear. Václav could finally rule as he'd been born to do. Duke Václav I became the ruler of Bohemia. As the new duke, Václav's first responsibility was to determine how best to handle his mother, Drahomira. She'd proven herself an untrustworthy enemy in seizing power for herself and persecuting Christians. Perhaps unwisely, Václav chose to pardon his mother. This gesture, while understandable, was the first of several times Václav would lead his nobles to doubt that he was strong enough to rule Bohemia. For roughly five years, Václav had kept his religious beliefs a secret in order to survive at his mother's court. With Drahomira no longer a threat, Václav openly professed his Christian beliefs, 
and ordered the entire court to convert back to Catholicism. As Boleslav, who was between the ages of 4 and 11, received his forced baptism, he struggled to reconcile Václav the Duke with Václav, his brother. He'd never known that his older sibling harbored a secret religion or that he'd plot against their mother. Boleslav wondered if he could trust Václav at all. In order to promote the new state religion, Václav funded the construction of several cathedrals in Prague and the surrounding area. According to legend, Václav took a vow of chastity and refused to marry. Modern historians dispute those stories, but very little is known of Václav's wife or children, if they existed. Spurred by biblical teachings about caring for the poor, Václav frequently snuck out of his bed late at night to perform charitable work. Then, in accordance with his vow of poverty, he would share his wealth. He performed his good works after dark, so his benefactors needn't be embarrassed to receive charity. Soon, the Duke became known as Václav the Good. But for all the support he inspired among the common people, Václav became increasingly unpopular among his nobility. Many of Václav's subjects resented the Duke's requirement that they abandon their traditional beliefs and convert to Christianity. Even more concerning were Václav's attitudes toward the Holy Roman Empire. In spite of its name, the Holy Roman Empire was based not in Rome, but in Germany. It was a collection of unified Christian nations in Central Europe ruled by a single emperor. While the Holy Roman Empire was still in its nascent years, Bohemia's German neighbors already threatened to absorb the smaller nation. The Duke of Bohemia had a unique challenge in finding a way to keep the empire at bay. Ostensibly, Bohemia was an independent nation during Václav's rule, but in practice, the situation was a lot more complicated. Bohemia's indistinct borders were very near the Holy Roman Empire, and Václav knew that his people didn't stand a chance if the larger nation chose to conquer them. In order to ensure a friendly relationship with the Holy Roman Empire, Václav regularly gifted tributes of grain and livestock to the empire. He also offered military support should the Holy Roman Empire call upon it. In essence, Bohemia paid a recurring bribe to stave off invasion. The nobles feared that the Catholic Václav was all too happy to collaborate with the Christian Empire. Some feared that his religious devotion was stronger than his commitment to the nation, and that Václav would sacrifice Bohemia's independence to join the Holy Roman Empire. In 929, Václav tried to appease his nobles and test the empire by refusing to pay the tribute. In return, German troops loyal to the empire invaded Bohemia. Fearful that he'd never win on the battlefield, 22-year-old Václav signed a treaty with the German king, Heinrich I. The treaty formalized the gift-giving tradition that had long been an unofficial practice. Václav also publicly swore his allegiance and subservience to the German crown. Bohemia was still technically independent, but many of Václav's noblemen and women feared that the agreement strengthened ties between Bohemia and the Holy Roman Empire too much. They worried that they'd be absorbed by default into the Holy Roman Empire. Or worse, some suspected that Václav's quick concession to King Heinrich was indicative of weak foreign policy instincts. 
If Heinrich, or any other foreign ruler, invaded again, what would Václav sacrifice the next time? Those disgruntled nobles found ready allies in Drahomira and Boleslav. Since her pardon, Drahomira had been exiled, but she maintained close contact with Boleslav. As her younger son matured, Drahomira raised him to oppose Václav. Like his brother had done nearly a decade prior, Boleslav practiced his beliefs in secret while publicly professing the state religion. But Boleslav had no loyalty to the Catholic Church or the Holy Roman Empire. He seemed the perfect alternative to Václav's rule. Drahomira, Boleslav, and the nobles loyal to them began to plot. We don't know the date of the first assassination attempt, but we do know that Boleslav conspired with a rival duke, Radoslav. Because the borders were ill-defined, Boleslav believed that Radoslav's territory was under Bohemian rule, while Radoslav maintained his independence. Regardless, one day Radoslav's men assembled outside of Prague, challenging Václav to battle. Radoslav and Václav's armies assembled, facing off against one another. Unexpectedly, Václav made an offer to Radoslav. The two of them would fight a duel or joust. If Václav won, Radoslav's men would swear their allegiance to him. If Radoslav was victorious, his people could be recognized as independent. Radoslav agreed to the proposal. While he prepared for the fight, Václav prayed and made the sign of the cross. The armies waited with bated breath. Václav was an accomplished horseman, but Radoslav was known for his proficiency with weapons. It was hard to say who had the advantage. As Radoslav rode toward Václav, he suddenly was struck by a vision. He saw two glowing beings, angels, standing at either side of his opponent. He heard a voice telling him not to harm the duke, but didn't know who had spoken. Radoslav halted his horse before the men could clash. He dismounted, fell to his knees, and swore allegiance to Václav. Václav's win was a decisive loss for Boleslav. His brother still lived. Even worse, with Radoslav's loyalty, Václav left the battlefield one territory stronger. If Václav had any inkling of his brother's involvement in Radoslav's revolt, he didn't allow his suspicions to change how he treated Boleslav. And when Boleslav invited Václav to a feast at his castle, Václav accepted. Various dates are given for this feast, but the most commonly accepted one is 935 CE, when Václav was 27 and Boleslav was between the ages of 15 and 20. The celebration was most likely on the feast day for Saints Damien and Cosmas. The feast took place the day before the Saints' Mass. Václav and Boleslav relished the food together. But after the hearty meal concluded, Václav excused himself from the palace. His celebration had to be tempered with the proper service. Boleslav accompanied his brother to a holy mass to honor the saints. After the service concluded, Václav remained inside the church to keep vigil and pray through the night. These sorts of all-night-long prayer sessions were common practice for the devout duke. Boleslav bid his brother a good night and left him alone in the cathedral. As he returned to the castle, he knew exactly what to do next. Václav wasn't going anywhere. 
and now was the time to strike. When he emerged from the church the next morning, Václav found himself surrounded by a troop of armed men. At their lead was Boleslav. Václav covered his nervousness by greeting his brother as he usually did. He thanked Boleslav for his hospitality in hosting the feast the day before. Boleslav answered, Yesterday I did my best to serve you fittingly, but this must be my service today. Boleslav drew his sword and charged. Václav stood his ground. He defected Boleslav's blows, but refused to fight back. Even if his life depended on it, Václav didn't want to hurt or kill his younger brother. Boleslav thought he was prepared to murder his brother, but he was thrown off by Václav's pacifistic stance. Shaken, Boleslav couldn't deliver the fatal blow. Instead, he knocked his hilt against Václav's head. Stunned but still conscious, Václav stumbled onto the church steps. In his dazed confusion, he couldn't even defend himself. But still, Boleslav couldn't bring himself to murder his brother with his own hands. He stepped back and gave the order to his men. They had no such compunctions. Václav was outnumbered and still dazed by the blow to the head. He only fought for seconds before one of Boleslav's men stabbed him. Václav collapsed on the stairs. Overwhelmed with pity for his brother, Boleslav rushed to his side. Václav's blood was already staining the church steps. With shuddering breaths, Václav said, May God forgive you for this deed, my brother. After muttering these final words, Václav took a final pained breath and died. Up next, we look at the rule of Boleslav the Cruel and explore how the world would be different if Václav had never been assassinated. Now, back to the story. After his brother, Václav's death in 935, Boleslav inherited the Duchy of Bohemia. Most likely in his teens or early 20s, Boleslav once more changed Bohemia's official religion, reverting back to paganism. Although Boleslav's mother, Drahomira, had encouraged her son to revolt against Václav, she feared the instability at court. Soon after Boleslav inherited the title of Duke, she fled back to eastern Germany. Eager to cement his position as Václav's successor, one of Boleslav's first actions was to slaughter the people from Václav's courts. His men killed so many of Václav's loyal followers, they had to dig mass graves to dispose of the bodies. Soon, Boleslav's bloody rule earned him the title of Boleslav the Cruel. Boleslav had been instituted by pagan nobles eager to return Bohemia to its original religious practices. But his efforts to stamp out Christianity were half-hearted. Perhaps motivated by guilt for his brother's death, Boleslav had Václav buried at St. Vitus Cathedral in Prague. He was given a Christian funeral. Even after the official reversion to paganism, Catholics continued to practice and flourish in Bohemia. The martyred Václav became a folk hero and a symbol of better times. If Boleslav felt threatened by the specter of his murdered brother, he was unwilling or unable to stop him from being publicly celebrated. 
For years, Boleslav outlawed Christianity. But for reasons that aren't entirely clear today, he reversed course early in his reign and actually promoted the spread of the religion. Some sources suggest that Boleslav halted the persecution after a year or two, while other historians believe his brutality lasted decades longer. It's possible that Boleslav was still haunted by the death of his brother and wanted to preserve Václav's memory by retaining the religion. A less romanticized theory is that Boleslav's Christian subjects threatened to rebel and he needed to make a concession to the group to maintain stability. Religion wasn't the only realm where Boleslav reversed course during his rule. Ironically, over the years, Boleslav's policies became more similar to those practiced by his brother. His initial rejection of Václav's foreign policies was nearly disastrous. Soon after he became duke, Boleslav refused to honor Václav's treaty with the Holy Roman Empire. In retaliation, German troops invaded Bohemia. After years of border skirmishes, Boleslav finally recognized that the cost of fighting was too great. In the 940s CE, Boleslav resumed the practice of paying tribute to the Holy Roman Empire. But the concession came too late, and the German Empire couldn't be sated with animals and grain. The fighting continued. By 950 CE, then in his early 30s, Boleslav could no longer hold the Holy Roman Empire at bay. That year, Bohemia was finally absorbed into the empire, although Boleslav was permitted to hold the title of duke and rule over the territory under the emperor's jurisdiction. Boleslav ruled until he died in his 50s, sometime around 975 CE. Catholicism once more became the state religion of Bohemia once it joined the Holy Roman Empire. It's difficult to speculate on Boleslav's personal religious beliefs, but his son and heir, Boleslav II, was seemingly a devout Christian, as were his descendants. The public veneration of Václav only grew more fervent with the loss of Bohemia's independence. Although Václav's concessions to the Holy Roman Empire had been the first step in the nation's assimilation, Boleslav took all the blame, while Václav became a symbol of Bohemian identity and independence. In the mid-900s, for his role in instituting Christianity in Bohemia, Václav I was canonized as a Catholic saint. Few saints were Bohemian, which made Václav a particular favorite among the people. In the decades after his death, Václav's popularity swelled throughout the Slavic world. In the 960s or 970s, Holy Roman Emperor Otto I posthumously granted Václav the strictly ceremonial title of King of Bohemia. This was also a way for Otto to shore up support among the people who adored their martyred leader. In the centuries that followed, the legend of Václav only grew. In the 10th and 11th centuries, biographies of the saints' lives proliferated and accounts of Václav's miracles and good deeds multiplied. Because of his close association with Bohemia and Prague, Václav was particularly favored among Slavic Catholics. Since his death, Václav I has been the patron saint of Bohemia, the Czech Republic, and the Czechoslovakian people. In 1853, 
Composer J.M. Neal, inspired by Václav's story, adapted the tune of an old hymn called Tempus Adest Floridum into a song celebrating the rule of Duke Václav I. But Neal, a British man, wrote English lyrics using the anglicized version of the Duke's name and his ceremonial title of King. Thus was the song Good King Wenceslas written. Because of the song's thematic focus on Václav's generosity, it soon became associated with Boxing Day, the day after Christmas in which the wealthy gave their servants a day off to belatedly celebrate the holiday. In 1348, a massive Prague market was dubbed Wenceslas Square. Over 500 years later, in 1913, a statue of Václav was installed at the square, which remains standing to this day. For centuries, Wenceslas Square has stood as the center of Czechoslovakian life. It was in this market that the Czech Republic first declared its independence, and where again in 1948 a communist revolution ignited. In 1989, Wenceslas Square was ground zero for the anti-communist Velvet Revolution. Although the square was built long after his death, his namesake helped to build Václav's fame for a thousand years. Václav's personal legacy remains closely tied to the expansion of the Catholic Church in Europe. Given the Church's rapid growth throughout the first millennia, it's likely that Bohemia would have become a Christian nation even without his efforts. But Václav's early adoption of the faith helped save the lives of many early Bohemian Christians. Václav also left his mark in the secular world. Few official records of his time exist, but the oral tradition of Václav's feats, preserved and recounted by the early Catholics, have ensured that historians today have a narrative glimpse into the world of 10th century Europe. As historian Tomáše Petráčka explained in an interview with Czech radio Praha, many of the stories about Václav that survive are probably not true. For example, it's probably an exaggeration that his first assassination attempt was thwarted by divine revelation. He may very well have fought a duel or joust against Radislav, but it was probably settled in a more traditional way. But some legends about Václav are unique to him. Stories about his ongoing political struggles and religious devotion are a valuable tool to modern historians seeking to learn details about the lives of 10th century Bohemians. For example, many of the stories about Václav emphasized his purity. According to tradition, he spent more time praying than ruling. He eschewed wealth and marriage, remaining a virgin. He didn't even fight to defend himself when Boleslav murdered him. This recurring theme of denial reveals that early Bohemian Christianity placed value on asceticism. And this understanding informs historians' understanding of the culture at the time. By cementing himself as an early father of the Catholic Church, Václav I ensured that his legend would endure. Václav's legacy as a folk hero may have done more to advance medieval scholarship than any specific action he took in life. But what if Boleslav hadn't plotted against Václav? Or if Boleslav, much like Radoslav before him, was granted a divine vision warning him to spare his brother's life? How different would the world look without Václav's murder? Policy-wise, Václav and Boleslav proved to be very similar leaders. 
Although Boleslav began his rule with a burst of cruelty and anti-Christian discrimination, he spent most of his life practicing Catholicism and appeasing the Holy Roman Empire. If Václav had lived long enough to die a natural death, he would have guided Bohemia down a path not too dissimilar from that of reality. Legend claims that early on in his rule, Václav I took a vow of celibacy and died a virgin. Historians like Tomáše Petráčka dispute this story. One mass grave suggests Václav may have had a son who died along with his bodyguards shortly after Boleslav seized power. However, if that speculation is untrue, a surviving Václav would have faced a challenge as he aged. As the Duke of Bohemia, Václav was responsible for ensuring a line of succession. A vow of chastity is incompatible with a patriarchal monarchy, and the nobility would have strongly pressured Václav to start a family. Eventually, Václav would have either needed to marry and have sons, or die without a direct heir. Boleslav's oldest son, Boleslav II, would have inherited power from a childless Václav as the closest male relative, and the line of succession would have mirrored what happened in reality. Of course, that assumes there even was a Bohemian throne to inherit after Václav's natural death. Unlike Boleslav, Václav I was exceedingly collaborative with the German leaders of the Holy Roman Empire. After he signed an agreement to pay annual tribute in 929 CE, he may have continued to enable the empire, surrendering more of Bohemia's liberties and freedoms until the nation was wholly absorbed into the Holy Roman Empire. As the early Bohemian people assimilated into the Holy Roman Empire, their distinct culture would have been lost. Without his martyr status, Václav would probably never have been canonized. He'd never have become a folk hero, and the politicians of 10th century Bohemia wouldn't have become legends. Without Václav's murder, much of what we know of his days would have been lost over time. While the world wouldn't look too different from how it does today, without Václav's assassination, historical Bohemia would be a little more mysterious, and the past would be a bit less illuminated. Today, Catholics remember Václav as a saint and martyr, but the secular world owes him a debt as well, for his assassination ensured that his name would be remembered, and with it, the stories of a nation otherwise lost to time. Thanks for listening to Assassinations. We'll be back Monday. You can find more episodes of Assassinations as well as all of ParCast's other shows on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Assassinations was created by Max Cutler is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskind, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Assassinations was written by Angela Jorgensen and stars Kate Leonard and Bill Thomas.